Man, what great fun we had on today's podcast. And as I edited the podcast, I realized we did not give enough information about our guest and about where you can get a hold of him and find more information. So our guest today is Tony Morgan. He's the founder of The Unstuck Group, which you can find at theunstuckgroup.com. Tony's organization works with churches to help them get unstuck and help them to begin reaching their community, spreading the gospel, and getting back on mission. So when you go to the unstuckgroup.com, you're going to find a resources tab, which will give you a link to his blog, tons of great information in their blog posts, give you a link to his book called The Unstuck Church, uh, give you a link to his podcast, The Unstuck Church Podcast. There's also a free Unstuck Church assessment on that uh, resources link, and it looks like the Unstuck Church quarterly report is also a free download. It comes out uh, every quarter, yes, and also there's an online course. Now, the online course costs some money, uh, but there's great information in there. You can also go to YouTube, and you can go to Tony Morgan Live. That's the name of his channel. You're going to find just a ton of good information. So let me say that we use Tony Morgan and his organization at our church. A lot of their information can be found online. You just have to do a lot of listening and a lot of reading. But it's all there at theunstuckgroup.com. Now, Here's the episode as it was originally recorded. This is the 200 Churches Podcast, episode 291. I don't believe every church is is called to eventually reach the thousands, but I do believe every church, no matter their size, is called to be healthy and to continue reaching people for Jesus. Welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast. We're passionate about providing ministry encouragement to pastors of small churches. We release a brand new episode every Wednesday to do just that for you, all of our small church pastor friends. Now here are two guys who are definitely better together, friends, pastors, and podcast partners, Jeff and Johnny. This is the 200 Churches Podcast coming live from the library. I'm, the, I'm Johnny Craig. Is this the NPR library, Johnny? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Man, we can't use our podcast voices You've today. You've got us in a public place, and it, it makes it real awkward to try to get like the whole <laughs> you know thing going. Well, I noticed as we were recording with Tony that it, I started out a little bit low, and then yep. I think things got louder naturally. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Which is good. When you realize people aren't really staring Nobody quite cares so much. what we're doing. Yeah, exactly They right. really don't. So, Johnny, <laughs> good to be with you in live and in person. Wow. I was just thinking it's been a long time since we hung out. I, I think we should get lunch. And now months. we don't have to get lunch because we're here. Well, we, we can still, get, still lunch. get lunch. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tony Morgan was at our place doing his last on-site visit. Yeah. And it's a long, long story. But anyway, we ended up at this uh, community college campus. Yes. And uh, we recorded an episode together, which you, as a listener, are about to hear. Your son attends this he institution, does. this fine institution. And my other two sons live in the community. Yes. So I just rode with him and from my church. we pay taxes. We pay taxes. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I pay taxes, too. So um, I called Johnny and I said, hey, Johnny, can you meet us over here? Yeah. So here we are. Here we are. Live and in the flesh to record it. together. I love it. It's the way it should be. Johnny, my friend, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. We're hurtling headlong toward ministry launch, September 9. I've got someone guest preaching on Labor Day, so that will be kind of the end of my 
I've had a few weeks off of preaching, so that'll be the end of my time off of preaching for a while, and I'm, I'm excited to get back in the saddle, man. I'm excited to get back up there. We're doing a series in Acts. Remember when you and me did a series in Acts? I do remember. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to recycle all that material. I'm not writing new stuff. Are you going through the book, or are you just picking, fetching certain passages? We're going through the book, but we're doing a chapter a week. Okay. Which means we're not going to touch everything, because some of those chapters are long and, and, and involved. It was more my style until we actually started doing a chapter a week. Then we started doing a half a chapter a week. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> so we've decided for the sake of keeping both campuses on the same path. Yep. We would do just a chapter a week, and Gary might use verses 1 through 9, and I might use verses 10 through 16, but the point is we're in the same chapter, so yeah. it, it will move in a in unison. We'll move in unison, well, so that's it would what we're doing. be good if you actually did it that way, that you could listen to two sermons in one week, one on a podcast and one live and in person. It's true. And you could get the whole thing. We're providing so much content for our church, they don't know. Their heads are exploding. But why would any church member be quite so aggressive? <laughs> I can't imagine any of them are. Two percent of them 2%, would be. Two percent. Exactly. They're just trying to see if Gary and I disagree on anything. They're looking for the cracks, you know, in between. <laughs> the, the division between the mom and the dad? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, we had uh, the the day with Tony at our church. Yeah, how was that? It, it was good. It was good. He it's, didn't look like he didn't have any open wounds. No open. He did nice. look a little tired, though, didn't he? He did look a little tired. His eyes looked a little Nobody bleary. Nobody punched him, but he he was a little bleary eyed. No, seriously though, man, it's it's a lot of work when you decide to change your church. Yeah, man, you're in for it. You, you are. Know? For you sure. better be in for the long haul uh, because you're going to be in for it. And if you're not in for the long haul, it's don't just it. not going to happen. Don't start if you don't plan to finish. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Because it's not worth it. It's not. I mean, and he no. talks about this on, that on this episode. There's pain and change, and it's not worth starting if you're not going to finish because it will be a hard process. Why go through that pain if you're ultimately not going to change anyway? Yeah, exactly right. So what I was excited about to hear Tony talk about was for our small church pastor friends who cannot afford a ton of money to retain the services of a larger organization. Yeah. They offer tiered services. Yes. Uh, to the point where they've got, they, they partnered with other, other organizations that will grant money to smaller churches. That's so cool. To take advantage of some of them and, and also right sizing their, their prices. Yeah. And that was really encouraging for me. And, and if, if you want to know how to get the most out of the unstuck group without paying a penny, just email me. I will tell you, <laughs> Jeff at 200churches.com. Oh, my gosh. Seriously, if you— Tony if, will love but, the But that. here's the yeah. challenge. Here's the challenge to you, to small church pastors far and wide. If you're serious, if you're serious and you want to go through the change, uh, you know, I will tell you how to do it for free. Yeah. But you got to do it. Let's get to the—I have something to say about that, but we're going to do it at the end. We're okay. going to let Tony say his piece, and then I'm going yeah, to respond to that. Yeah, probably should let Tony do some talking Yeah, here. and I'm going to respond to what you just said, because I think I have an opinion on that. And I All just right. met Tony. I don't, you know, I don't know him anything, but I have an opinion on what you said, Jeff. All right. Here's our conversation with Tony Morgan. Tony Morgan, thank you for joining me on the podcast Absolutely, today. I appreciate Jeff, it. Jeff. I can't believe I get to do this. I'm well, so excited. It, hey, you are in the opulent and luxurious 200 Churches podcast studio, are you not? <laughs> yeah, of course, yes. I'm, I mean, there's a swimming pool in here. Coming to you from the headquarters in Des Moines, Iowa. That's right. That's right. See, people, 
they've heard about the luxurious and opulent 200 churches podcast sound studio for years. <laughs> what they've never heard is that there's actually, we actually have a pool in here. <laughs> That's true. It's right over there. <laughs> well, Johnny's going to join us in just a minute, but uh, I've had the pleasure of having you uh, work with our church mm. now for the last number of months. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're here today, and before you left, I wanted to grab a few minutes with you. Yes. So we talked to pastors of small churches. And I would imagine pastors of small churches could go to the unstuckgroup.com or unstuckgroup.com. Either one, I think, works. Mm-hmm. And look at that and say, oh, man, this is overkill. There's nothing. Uh, I can't deal with this. I can't learn. What is there at that website? Isn't there something free that they can take, some kind of an assessment <laughs> yes. that they can take? There are all types of tools there that are, are there for free, including the Unstuck Church Assessment that's available. Okay. Every, every, and we've had, I think now, five or 6,000 different churches that have taken that. Okay. And uh, the great thing about that tool is it will help you kind of self-identify which of the seven phases is our church in currently moving from launch ultimately to sustained health, which is where we're hoping and praying churches will end up. Yep. And then if we don't, though, if we're not careful, eventually through preservation and when churches are on life support and uh, with that tool, then some guidance based on which of the seven phases you're in, some next steps that your church is taking. But in addition to the unstuck church assessment, we have all types of articles and other downloadable resources and connection to our podcast yep. where we're weekly sharing ministry insights that I'm hopeful are encouraging to not just pastors of churches of less than 200, but yeah. churches well into the thousands as well. Right. Well, we've got all different sizes of pastors and churches <laughs> that listen that listen to our podcast. But for small church pastors, if they were to go there, there's also a page that talks about the churches that you've worked with. That's right. And there's like several hundred on there. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I'm just thinking about this pastor who really, they just, just can't afford anything expensive. Yeah. Check out those churches. Yeah. Find a church close to you that is actually used um, the Unstuck Group and get connected and just just learn from them and yeah. just get your feet wet and get started. So here's the deal, Jeff. We offer a lot of free resources, but we want to try to help as many churches as we can as well. And just like we've helped Community Heights, at least I hope we have. Oh, yeah. Yes, uh, you have. And so we recognize that there, we kind of have to right-size our services for different size churches. And we're fortunate at the Unstuck Group, we have worked with churches well over 20,000 people in attendance in very large churches. But we've also served a lot of churches that are less than 200 in attendance as well. And so I say that because... Uh, we'll, we really will try to help you right-size the services that we offer that are going to fit wherever your church is, and then as a result of that, to right-size the fee that ch- is charged so that we can come alongside as many churches as possible, even to the place that for some churches we don't want finances to be a barrier, and we've linked up with some organizations that actually provide grant funding to help with churches that can't afford the services that we offer as well. So I think I think it's one of the reasons why we've been able to help as many churches as possible is we're just trying to provide the right amount of coaching that we can, knowing that not every church is going to be able to afford everything that the largest churches we serve uh, are willing to engage. 
So I've had my ministry BS radar up for many years, <laughs> right? And uh, if you don't know what I just said, you could rewind it. Um, and <laughs> and as I've listened to you on different podcast episodes of different different podcasts, I've I've kind of gotten to to guess the heart of Tony Morgan. Uh, and I was telling you in the car, you know, it's not just uh, how much money can I make in this enterprise, but the fact that you actually found Jesus through the ministry of a church and it That's changed right. your life. That's right. So just talk to us quick just about that and, and about how you ended up on staff at Granger Church when I don't think you pursued a ministry degree in school. No, I didn't. Yeah, my education's actually business and government, if you can believe that. So, no, it's not about money. In fact, I'm the worst person that you want to get coaching for related to negotiating new employment agreements because the last four or five jobs that I've taken, I've taken a pay cut for every one of them. Oh, so. boy. <laughs> well, maybe we, maybe we better, it better be about money then for you, Tony. <laughs> maybe it ought to start being about it. But you're right, Jeff. I mean, it was uh, ultimately, I can't explain it, but I accepted Christ when I was in high school. And from those early days in my faith journey, I really can't explain it, but God has put a real passion for the local church in my heart. I mean, so I have a relationship with Jesus, but this this fire in me that I really do think the local church is the answer for how the gospel gets carried out. And as a result of that, these last 25, 30 years of my life have really been about how do I not only engage the mission of the church personally for myself, for my family, but then how can I help equip churches, primarily pastors and church leaders, to extend their mission as local churches, too, to really impact people that are far from God, um, help them become Jesus followers like I became? And then ultimately, how do we as a body of Christ carry out the mission God's called us to? And so uh, I can say that all day long, and I think some people will still assume, no, Tony's really trying to make money. I can assure you there would be places that I could make a lot more money I'm making today. <laughs> uh, we do have to charge for the services we offer because there's a team of 25 people now that are serving churches across the country. And I have to help those people put food on their table, too. Uh, but ultimately, for me, this is about extending God's kingdom, and I'm grateful for the opportunity that we have to do that. So I showed up late to the party, Tony, but yeah. how long have you been unsticking churches? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. So uh, this coming year, we'll be celebrating 10 years. Awesome. And uh, when we first got started, it was actually a church in South Carolina was the very first church that I helped personally. And when it was just me, I couldn't help very many churches. But as I just mentioned, there are about 25 of us on the team now. Um, several, this is their full-time, this is what they do. Yeah. For others, Jesse is from Iowa, as an example, serves at a great church in Iowa, uh, and then on the side is able to help with some, some of the consulting and coaching that we're offering to churches here in the Midwest. And so for some on our team, that it's just part of what they do with their ministry. Sure. Uh, but now as a team of 25, we get to help, we get to help a lot, men, a lot more churches. In fact, in any given month, we're on-site on location with 30 to 40 churches oh, now. Oh, wow. So it's pretty exciting to be a part of what we get to do. And how long is the 
process? I mean, what, how long does the process take? That's a great question. And some of that does um, depend on the size of the church as well. So for the smaller churches we serve, um, on the on-site part of the engagements happens over a four-month period. For the larger churches, it's usually over six months. But we, in the initial engagement that we have with every church, that extends over a full year, meaning after the on-site visits stop, um, that we're continuing to have coaching yeah. engagements, usually over video conference, yeah. which is a lot cheaper than having to pay for <laughs> us to show up on-site. Where's Jeff at in the process here? They actually just finished the last on-site oh, visit. Oh, Jeff, congratulations. So, yeah. you're, uh, you're unstuck. Well, he, he. <laughs> Tony, Tony, <laughs> is this mic still on? <laughs> it is. It is. We we haven't even begun. I mean, That's we've true. hardly begun, right? Yeah. <laughs> we've got some plans in place, and yeah. now the work is just starting. Yeah. And that's really what the coaching calls are about then as we engage in the process. And it's we're just making sure as Jeff and his team at Community Heights implement what they've said they want to do, um, that we're kind of helping them through the barriers that every church is going to experience because nothing's black and white when you engage in ministry. Right. We know that six months is the start of mm-hmm. something. Not, I mean, you don't change culture in six months. You don't change culture in a year. That's I mean, right. So... Uh, certainly. How often are you like a rock star who goes to the venue and says the wrong city? Like, how often are you in a church and like, ah, it's so great to be here at Grace Church. And they're like, this is New Hope. And you're like, that's what I said, New Life. And they're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is New Bridge. Okay, get it straight. Has that ever happened to you? I'm sure it has. <laughs> you didn't yeah. even know. You just kept going. Uh, it usually doesn't have to do with the name of the church. It more oftentimes has to do with one of the people on the team. Cause sure. If, uh, you can imagine it's probably couple hundred new leaders that I'm meeting on site every year. Sometimes I'll call somebody Tom when their name is really Bob and I'll just ask, is it okay if I call you Tom? And usually (laughs) they're okay with that. Yeah, that's fine. Everybody's Tom now. (laughs) Jeff, you're Tom now. Congratulations. So I'm curious, and this is like, this is such a lame question, Tony. Okay. So I'm sorry. This is like asking somebody what their favorite color is, I suppose. But what is like the most common issue. Yeah. The the one that you can almost say you have this issue before you even walk in the door. Yeah. What, what's the most common issue? Yeah. For churches that are stuck, the most common issue is the fact that they've become insider focused over time. And what's so hard about that is no one set out to do that. No one set out to say, we want to ignore, block out people that don't yet have a relationship with Jesus we want to block out our community and the impact we could potentially be having in our community. No one sets out to do that. But what we see is it's just a natural drift that happens in every church, even the best churches. There's this natural drift where over time, what we do as churches becomes more focused on people that are already connected to the church, that are already believers in Jesus. And so that really is the most common challenge, the most common thing that we're trying to help churches overcome is is recognizing somehow we have to begin to turn our eyes right. outward again. And the caution when I say that is I don't want you to hear that churches need to stop discipling believers in Jesus, that we need to stop 
catering to people that are already inside our churches. That's not at all what we're about. But it is recognizing that things are going to have to look different for us to, again, be focused on the mission God's called us to as a church. How often do you come to a church that says, oh, we're ready for this process, and then you come with your recommendations, and they're like, oh, wow, well, we were ready for the process, but that's (laughs) you can't do that. You can't take away that or change that or whatever. What's interesting about that question, Johnny, is that when we're selling our process, if you will— sure. What churches want to hear is don't bring just that black and white answer that you bring to every church. We sure. don't want that. Right, we right, believe right. Called, God has called us to a unique ministry, a unique community, and we want, we want our fingerprint to be on the next steps, not your mm-hmm. fr- fingerprints. What's fascinating, though, is when, when we actually get on site with the church and we're engaging with them. What they want to hear from us then at that point is, fix us. Here's the magic bullet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can, can you fix us? <laughs> and so Jeff has maybe even experienced this at Community Heights. Um, we don't want to go down the path of trying to make every church like the church that I'm personally a part of. We really do want to help churches identify who has God called you to reach. How how do you reach those people? And then how do you help people take their next steps toward Christ? And the reality is that's going to be different for every church. And so, I mean, Jeff, have you sensed any of that frustration along the way where you re- really wish I would have come in and said, just do this and all your troubles will go away? Well, I think we, we all want that. That's why we that's why we call on the expert, right? <laughs> we call on the people that do this for a living and they do this every day. Um, but what we found is that when when you work us through the process, we do figure out yeah. we there is a way without you telling us for you to help us get to this is what it would have to look like yeah. for our church to reach our community. But you said something a couple minutes ago. You said things are going to have to look different mm-hmm. if we're going to start reaching our community yeah. and stop just scratching each other's backs. Yeah. And that's that's the tough part. Things are going to have to look different. Yeah. Well, we didn't maybe come to our church for things to look different. We know we came to our church because we like the way it is. So, what is the what's the most important responsibility of the leader to get his people to a point, his or her people to a point where uh, they understand why things are changing, and then support the change. So, I mean, what what is yeah. the responsibility of a leader in well, that? Well, you just said it. I don't know if you realized you said it, but the most important thing that a leader can do is is answer the question, why? why? Why do we have to change? And what we see in churches is somehow as a leader, you have to help people see why the pain of staying where you are as a church is far greater than the pain of the change that you may need to go through. And it really is about helping first that your closest elders, leaders in your church understand that. And then in almost like in concentric circles going out to eventually how expressing to your congregation as a whole, this is why we have to change. And usually, too, the answer to that why doesn't have to do anything with the people that are already a part of the church. The answer to that why question has to do with family, friends, kids, grandkids. This is why we have to change. Uh, 
the culture is changing around us. Uh, the world looks very different. Our kids aren't going to church anymore. Our grandkids, it's not even on their radar. And the reality is the church can't continue to do church the way we've done church and assume that we're going to reach our kids and our grandkids. And I think the great leaders in the church today recognize not only do we have to change, but they know how to communicate that why, the answer to why we have to change. And if we can somehow connect with the people in our church that it's not going to be our preference, it's going to be hard for us because we like how we do church today. Mm But if we make these changes, it's going to help us reach our kids. It's going to help us reach our grandkids, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers. There's more opportunity there. And here's the challenge, though. Even as I say that, the reality is you can't make changes in churches and hope that you're going to keep everybody in the church. I've never That's seen That's a bridge it. too far, Tony. Yeah, I know. But the a reality, bridge too far. <laughs> every church that makes changes loses people. Yeah. And that's so hard for those yeah. of us who got into ministry because we love people and we want people to love us back. It's so hard to recognize um, when you make the right changes that are ex- going to extend the gospel impact that your church is making— and reaching people your church is not reaching, that you're also going to lose some people in the process. So when I did my homework and my research on you, I talked to a lot of pastors, mm-hmm. and they said to me, Jeff, it's a lot of work, man. It's, it is hard work. And I'm thinking, dude, we're, we're bringing this group in so that it's not so much work for us, right? And then, and then a few people say, yeah, but, but they set it up so that People from your church get involved, and you don't have to do all the work. But man, Jeff, as a, as a pastor, it's hard work. It, it's it's tough, yeah. and uh, it's it's. But it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. So, you, like you just said, you just we're just now in these last moments completing your on-site visit with us. Mm-hmm. We've already lost people. Mm-hmm. It has been the the months that we've had working with you have been my hardest months at my current ministry. Yeah. It is. That's why churches don't change and grow. Yeah. Because it's too hard on the front end, and they don't see, and leaders don't see the reward on the back end. Yeah. I know there's a reward. I've seen that reward before. And I know that you got to go through this, right? But if I'm a young leader, ooh, ouch, this hurts too much. I don't, I don't want to go through this because I don't know that I'm guaranteed. Yeah. A reward on the back end. So right. speak for a minute to young leaders who are, maybe they've not been through much change. How do you prepare them for what change is going to mean in their life so that they'll actually live to do it again? So young leaders, it's interesting, Jeff. I knew so much more when I was 20-something than I do today. It's pretty phenomenal how much I knew back then. <laughs> I mean, it really is. Johnny, I mean, what what are you? It's what? leaking out every day. <laughs> I'm th- I'm 32 now, and yeah. I know less every day. It's horrible. <laughs> it's a horrible thing. So the reality is, as a young leader, and this is going to sound like an old guy, which I am now, you kind of just have to experience it. You have to go through it. You're going to have to learn what it is to go through that difficult change that first time and experience what it is to lose some close friends that you thought were with you in ministry, mm. um, relationally that you thought were with you, and found out after the fact that, no, really, that relationship wasn't healthy because they've turned and, and gone a different direction. So you're just going to have to experience that 
and you'll learn over time this is part of life and part of the heart it's just the hardest thing in leadership i've often shared the tough thing with being a leader is sometimes you actually have to lead and what i mean by that is anybody that's been in leadership for any amount of time knows that involves decisions that you know not everybody's going to be with you on and some people are going to feel some pain as a result of your decisions and Oftentimes, uh, the worst decisions, the most painful decisions are not the ones involving strategy or direction or vision. It's the ones that are involving people. Hmm. And they're the right decisions, not only for the people involved, but ultimately for the long-term kingdom impact of of our churches in the broader kingdom. But they're difficult decisions. And as a result of that, um, leaders have to lead. They have to make these tough decisions, knowing there is going to be some initial pain, but in the end, it's going to be best and what's going to offer the greatest kingdom impact. Um, I think parenting is actually a great lesson in this. You know, making, making my kids pain-free, I can try to do that. But that's not what's best for them in the long run. At times, helping them understand the consequences of the decisions that they're making and the consequences of life is going to help them become healthier adults in the long run. And so I can be a great helicopter parent and try to keep them from experiencing any parent any pain in their lives, but that's not going to set them up for real life, and they're going to experience pain in real life. And Leader, leadership is sometimes about that. It's just recognizing ultimately for where we're going, I can't back away from the pain that may have to be in, that we may have to incur in the short run in order to experience the greater reward. That is a hard word for young leaders who have yet to experience the pain of change and of leadership and the things that come along with making hard decisions. I think there's a lot of pastors who don't know that that's what they're getting into when they get into being a pastor. Mm -hmm. I think they, you know, they have high hopes and expectations and of people and of what the church can be. And then the, the reality that, yeah, there's, there's some people that might show up on a Sunday morning who would like this to be a country club sets in and then you have to deal with that (laughs) or, you know, you have, you know, some toxic leadership that needs to be dealt with or whatever, you know, the issues are, that arise. Yeah. I hope that people can hear you say that, Tony. So the bigger challenge is when those toxic people actually tithe. (laughs) (laughs) So let me just share this. Um, My friend, Mark, uh, who planted Granger Community Church now many years ago, still senior pastor, founding pastor at the church early on, though, as he's trying to get his church planted. This is when you want people, more people to show up, not only for the church and the ministry to take hold, but you want adults with jobs to show up, too, that yeah, actually have right. paychecks and can actually begin to fund the ministry. And he shared with me one time that in the very first years, the first three years of his ministry, the top giver from the church left the church three years in a row. Oh, how nice. And it was, and the reason why is they had a different sense of what the church should be about than Mark believed was where the church was going and ultimately why he had planted the church in the first place. And so that's just one of those things is not only does is decision making and leadership hard but when it's tied to in ministry those that are financially supporting it's even harder yeah but this is i think a little bit of where 
real surrender comes into play as if uh, if we really trust God and trust his mission and trust the calling in his life in our lives, then uh, we're going to be willing to make those tough calls, even when we know it's going to impact the numbers, including specifically the finances in our ministries. Tony, you work with a lot of larger churches, uh, probably just by nature of mm-hmm. what you do. But you talked about right-sizing, mm-hmm. you know, the opportunities for smaller churches. Over the last six, seven years that you've been doing this, eight years, whatever it's been, how, how has your view or maybe perspective of smaller churches changed, hmm. if it has at all? I think it's easy for us to think that the larger churches are the more important churches, maybe the more successful churches, the more significant churches. But what is your attitude, you know, as the leader of the Unstuck Group, what is your attitude toward small churches and their pastors. Yeah, I don't know that I, Jeff, I would say my view about small churches has changed. I actually think many of my views have been reinforced. And so let me give you some examples. Um, I think smaller churches are positioned much better than larger churches to connect with people relationally. It's very difficult when a, when a church gets into the hundreds and thousands For example, just knowing on Sunday morning when someone comes into the door, is that a new person or is that someone who's been around for months? In a large church, it's hard to tell that. If you're in a small church, you know this is their first time here. And so you're able to connect as a smaller church. You're able to connect relationally better than a, a large church can. So that's one example of something that's been reinforced. Another example, what we've seen in the churches that we've worked with at the Unstuck Group, smaller churches are able to engage lay leaders much more effectively than larger churches can. For whatever reason, the larger the church gets, the more staff resources they have available. It actually becomes almost a barrier for them to engage lay people in our process, the unstuck process, not in addition to all the ongoing ministry that we're hoping church, uh, lay people will be engaged in in our churches. And so it's another example. I wouldn't say I didn't know that. That's just been reinforced. But here's something else that's been reinforced. And it's this, that I don't believe every church is, is called to eventually reach the thousands. But I do believe every church, no matter their size, is called to be healthy and to continue reaching people for Jesus. And I don't believe that every small church is just about the people that are already gathered. I do believe every church is called to carry out the gospel. Uh, And as a result of that, what I see in the churches, even the smaller churches that we're serving across the country, is that for the healthy ones, they still maintain that outward focus that we talked about earlier. They're still reaching people outside the faith. They're still seeing people accept Christ. They're still getting seeing people baptized, whether they're in an urban, growing, fast-paced community or they're in rural America. They're still seeing that type of life change happen. So that's been reinforced. I really do believe healthy churches can still be uh, growing churches, even if they have 100 people gathering for worship every Sunday. I love it, Tony. That's cool. Hey, listen, you got a plane to catch. I do. So we want to get you <laughs> on the road. Uh, but you have a podcast. Is it called the Unstuck Church Podcast? It's pretty simple. Yeah, it's based on really the, uh, the book that I wrote about a year ago. It 
came out a year ago called The Unstuck Church. And again, that book, the podcast, it's designed for churches of all different sizes. So if you're listening to this podcast, I hope it helps encourage you as well. So I want to encourage small churches. Uh, you may not be able to afford what larger churches can, but Tony, what you've done through your podcast and your book, through your blog, through the videos you've put up on YouTube, uh, shockingly, so much of what you've taught us in person is just sitting there yeah. waiting to be learned. I yeah. mean, I don't want to make too much of that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you could have a little more proprietary information for us who, like, uh, bring you. But, no, but seriously, so much of it is there. It is. So I want to yeah. say that to small church pastors. You're not getting ripped off if you go on YouTube and sit with a couple other people. Take yeah. it in in a group and process it together and then take action. Mm -hmm. That's one thing you've taught us, you know, with these action initiatives, take action, because mm -hmm. all the talk and all the planning in the world is going to go to nothing if mm -hmm. you don't take action. So the Unstuck Church book, the Unstuck Church podcast, the Unstuck Group, the Unstuck Group dot com. Yeah. Uh, you'll find uh, Tony in those places. So Tony, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Johnny. Johnny, thanks for making the trek over and joining us for that conversation. I appreciate it. Sorry I was a little late, but yes, it was a, it was a joy for me to be here. Now, at the, in the introduction, we were talking about content. You said if you want to go through the Unstuck process yeah, for free yeah, yeah. to email you. Okay. And here's what I was going to say about that. As we were talking to Tony, at the end of this conversation, you said to him, uh, you know, all your stuff is on YouTube and on the podcast, you know, a little more proprietary information wouldn't be so bad right, for right, folks right. who are paying, right? And now you're saying like, hey, you'll just tell people for free. Here's the thing. I think it's invaluable to have someone like Tony or someone from his group come into your church outside and come to your people and tell them these things. It's going to mean something so much more coming from them than it will from you. That's just the nature of the beast. As, now, Jeff, maybe you were really new in your church when you decided to do this, but I'm thinking of the pastor who's been there three, four, five years and is realizing uh, we're in a bad spot. Um, familiarity, this sounds terrible, but familiarity breeds contempt. Yep. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like there's people in your church, probably people who are the reason you're stuck in your church, who can't hear you. If you come to them with this information. Now, the other side of that is is probably, in as many cases, familiarity breeds trust. That is so also we, the case. Probably, but it's sometimes, though, it can breed contempt And you're going to walk that process areas. with Tony. It's not like he stands up and you never stand up, right, in, in right. that process. Right. It's both. It's both and. For some people, the outside voice is more important. For some people, the inside voice is more important. But the, I think the value of having an outside and an inside speaking together toward the same thing it's it's worth the cost of admission, man. So you could get the process for free on YouTube and on the podcast and in the book. That wouldn't be free, I suppose. Get it from your local library. Yeah, a few dollars. Uh, but to have someone actually come do that, I think, is invaluable. Jeff, I'm thinking of when missionaries would come to our church in Orange City, and they would preach things that you and I felt like we had been trying to just get across so mm -hmm. many times mm -hmm. and always feel like the people were just looking at us like we were idiots as we said these <laughs> things and then the missionaries would say the same thing and people would be like oh that's so, so beautiful awesome. i love it so much that they said that and at first i was frustrated but then i realized it's actually a, that's a win it's the outside voice that's a win yeah and it takes i think both voices sometimes to get that across so it's true. Just like when you go to some great place and you take pictures, you come back, you try to share the pictures with somebody, and you're just like, 
This doesn't even begin to do <laughs> right. it justice. Yeah. In the same way, when missionaries would come and they would talk to us about service on the field, that was like the next step. And yeah. we could hear it from their mouths, and we, and we learned, and it was amazing. If we go to visit them on the field, it's another level oh, of amazing. Man, yeah, for sure. So w- what I was privileged to do because of the leadership at my church, they were, they were open-eyed enough to yeah. see the value in this, is to actually have the author uh, show up awesome. on site and talk through uh, how to actually get your church to be unstuck. Yeah. One of the things he told me was that he's trying to hire better people than himself. So let me say this, the two people that came at the other two, so he came twice, and then two other people came one time each. Those two people were off the charts. Really? I mean, seriously. That's and, awesome. Uh, one of them, uh, Sarah Balma, we had on our podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. a month or two ago, and then the other one, Jesse, uh, I will get him on. Uh, we have not we have not talked yet, but Jesse is one sharp cookie. Yeah, and I would want our our listeners to be able to hear from him at some point. That's awesome. Uh, but the truth is, you can unstick. I like your term, Johnny. Unstick. Unstick your church if you want to. It's just going to take some work, and yeah. I don't want to discount any work of the Spirit in this either, because you you need. You need 100% of the Holy Spirit involved mm-hmm. in all of this just to get you through it, yeah. let alone making, affecting any change in the larger group of people that you're working with. Well, yeah, absolutely. And Tony talked about pain. Jeff, you've experienced pain. You just mentioned here mm-hmm. people have left your church, you know, yeah. um, and and you've experienced some pain. Uh, nobody, I've never met a pastor who you know, cares more deeply about people than you do. And so I know when people leave, you know, that, that hurts. Um, the last chapter isn't written yet. You can get them back. Uh, uh, there's always hope. I'm <laughs> always right there, optimistic, baby. you know, but it's, there is we're just going through yeah, it right now. There's for a work bit. and there's pain, but it's worth it. It's worth it. And it's not worth it. So you can have 10,000 people in your church It's worth it because the kingdom of God is worth it. And your church is an impart important and vital piece of the kingdom of God. So I thought Tony ended on such a great note, encouraging small churches, Mm -hmm. uh, talking about the value of small churches and talking about healthy churches. So I'm going to try to end it the same way. Here it is. Be a healthy church, whatever your size, whatever your location, rural, urban, suburban, whatever the goal is health, not growth. And, uh, and we hope to continue to be able to help you in that here at 200 Churches. Yes. And uh, if Tony Morgan can help you too, check him out as well. But we're glad to have him on the podcast, Jeff. I'm glad to be in the flesh with you. And we'll see you next week on the 200 Churches podcast. My name is Angela, and I want to thank you for listening to this episode. If you haven't already, you should subscribe to our weekly email at 200churches.com and to the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You know it. We'll be back next week with another amazing and encouraging episode just for you. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love His church. Just ask him. Ask him where Trail Point is. Wait a second. The swimming pool. It's where this. We're next to. We're next to the next to the left. Okay. See you. Yeah, Jeff, you know... Uh, One sec. This is Johnny Craig. Hi, Johnny. This is Good Tony Morgan. I told you he wasn't anything special. <laughs> yeah, I'm true to form. You can always meet that expectation. <laughs> well, this is, this is a crazy place to try to figure out who is where. Yeah.
There yeah. was no one. I tried to pull into three or four parking lots, so. <laughs> so I just said that uh, small church pastors can. NPR voices. Johnny. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> Johnny, my friend, how are you doing? <laughs>